Hello, my friends. It's Ryan from the Prolific Creator Podcast. Now, many of you have asked, hey, Ryan, how do I support the show? Well, I finally listened. Starting today, you can subscribe to the Prolific Creator Plus on ACAST Plus for $3 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. No apps to download and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Get access to the entire archive of Prolific Creator Awesomeness. Over 160 episodes going back to 2017. Yes, that's right, my friends. A plethora of information and inspiration, tips, tricks, and interviews to get your art and work into the world. Remember those ads? Say bye, bye, bye. Wait, there's more. For $5 a month, you can get access to the full prolific creator experience. This includes the full archives, early access to episodes, listener Q&A, book and movie reviews, and interviews not for the public, and perhaps any other awesomeness I might do on the microphone. Sounds awesome, right? Yeah, it does, Ryan. If you want to listen for free, you'll notice the last 50 episodes or so will always be available wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, by subscribing today, you don't have to download any new apps, and you can simply keep listening on the podcast platform you prefer. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for your love and support in advance. Simply click on the link in the show notes or on my website, and it'll take you where you need to go. Now on to the show. The following podcast is an exclusive presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is your host, Ryan J. Pelton. And today's episode is brought to you by a new book called The Courier, written by L.E. Doggett. Meet Kara Stronggear, a very young member of the cadre of couriers. She thinks she has what it takes to be one. After all, her dad trained her to fight and the use of weapons to know when to run. Kara knows how to operate most steam boilers, how to fly airships. But when someone wants something she has and is willing to kill for it, she finds she isn't as ready as she thinks. From gun battles to hurricanes to fighting guard dogs to running on the torn up streets of a strange city to a dogfight over a desert, she finds it hard to keep ahead of the man who wants something she has. Kara has friends that are willing to help, even as she doesn't understand why. She needs to find her own heart, even as she tries to protect a tiny object that could start a new world war with invincible weapons. She has hard decisions to make, while at the same time, she has to grow up if she lives long enough to do either. The Courier is written by L.E. Doggett, the author of Tommy Tuckernocker, The Shadow Warrior, available in print and digital at Amazon, Barnes & Noble Online, iTunes, Kobo, and other sites. Go check it out. Now, some intro music. Welcome to the Prolific Writer Podcast, where speed's the name of the game. Follow an indie author and publisher and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on writing fast, writing often, and writing well. So you can do the same. Here's Ryan. Well, hello, hello, hello. This is your prolific writer podcast, Ryan J. Pelton, and I'm so glad that you are here. This is my podcast, episode number 61. Today, we have a special guest Carrie Donovan from across the pond in Britain. And I'm so excited to share this interview with you. I had a great time talking with Carrie and uh, Carrie is a prolific author of the utmost respect. But what I love about our conversation is that Carrie 
has really not been writing all that long and uh, has been really cranking out the books. He has a very popular series, uh, a Ryan Kane series, a DCI Jones casebook series, kind of thriller, mystery, adventure type stories uh, that I think you'll enjoy and tons and tons of books out there. And he's going to talk about his story, his journey, uh, how he started writing, how he gave up for a while, how he's now writing again and having some some great success. And so I think you're going to enjoy all the inspiration, tips, tricks, and uh, encouragement from this interview with Carrie Donovan. And so uh, it's been a c- couple of weeks, and I haven't uh, really given any updates lately, just a couple of things. I, I, I kind of came to this point, which I, I think is important, is we you know, have these goals and ambitions. We want to write a certain amount of books or we want to get certain projects done. And, and I kind of took some time. I had a, had a little bit of free time and just got out a pad of paper and my, my journal and, and – uh, and a pen and, and just kind of looked at the rest of the year and said, you know, I got some projects I want to want to get done. And, and so I've been talking about these two kids books that I've been working on uh, with my son, uh, my oldest son. And uh, and so one of them is uh, almost completely done. And the other one is in a uh, is a mess and needs some editing and some help and, and some love. And, and so this the for the rest of the year, 2018, I'm going to be working on getting those two kids books uh completely finished, uh, hopefully in digital and print. And so those will be available. I got to get those off to the editors, but, um, I will have those ready. I've also been looking at, uh, finishing a couple other projects that are in the works. Now, one of those is actually a writing book that I've been talking about ad nauseum for a while called the prolific writer. And it's really a project that's near and dear to my heart. And I want to make sure it, it is as good as it can be. And I'm taking some of the lessons that I've learned through this podcast and the people I've interviewed and the things that I've learned along the way and put it in book form and really uh, wanted to synthesize down ways in which you can become a prolific writer and, uh, and, and what that looks like and the steps that you need to, uh, to take to do that. And, and hopefully it'll be a great encouragement and a great blessing to you. Um, because I think, uh, there's some, some myths out there of what it really means to be prolific and how to be consistent in our work. And, and a lot of that, um, is a lot of it is mindset and I'm planning and some other things. And so I talk about those things and things I've learned from other guests and things that are, I would say are, you find common in most prolific writers and it's kind of in their tool toolbox, if you will. So I'm working on that. I'm going to get that done by 2018, hopefully in the next, you know, uh, quarter or so. And, uh, I got that in the works and I got this other novel that I'm working on. Um, we're still working on the title, but it's, it's kind of a, a dystopian type type novel. And it, it's, it's set in a, a unique universe. Uh, the world has, has kind of ended and gone disarray and, and it's, it really it's spurred on from the question of what, what would happen if there was no more religion? What would happen if there was, you know, a, a you know, no more God. And, and, and what, what would that mean, um, for those that, uh, maybe believed in God or don't believe in God or, or for the universe and, and hope and all that kind of stuff. And so it should be an interesting book. I'm, I'm really excited about it and, uh, I'm going to hopefully get that done by the end of 2018. So still working on that. And I got a couple other projects in the work. So, you know, should be five or six, you know, books coming out, um, by the end of the year. And I'm looking forward to that. And, and I share all that, not to brag, not, uh, wherever you are on your, your journey. Uh, but, but to say there, there's so many things that you probably have in the works and things that, you know, you've been working on or, or, you know, different places of being completed. And I just want to encourage you to, to just finish what you start and, uh, you know, no matter how good it is or bad it is, or for some of us, it's our first one and we just need to get it out there. We just need to get it out into the world, share it with someone, you know, even if it's only your, your grandma, um, or your mom or your girlfriend or your boyfriend or whoever, 
Uh, but, but there's something about finishing. There's something about starting something and finishing and, uh, and just going through that process. It's really good for, um, your pro- productivity and, uh, your, uh, future as a writer. So I just want to encourage you in that. And, and as always, thank you so much for your kind, uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes and Stitcher and other places and, uh, and emails of just the things you're learning along the way as writers. I, I always enjoy those. So please keep sending me those ways. Send me your emails, questions, comments. If there's any guests you want to have on the show or any topics you want me to cover, I'd love to, to engage those with you. And, uh, so thank you for that. And thank you for just the honesty. Uh, I, I get a lot of emails that say, you know, Hey, I got a wife, I got kids, um, you know, I got, I got a full-time job and how do I find the time to write? And hopefully through these podcasts and articles and things, you'll, you'll find the space to do that. And, and I'm, I'm just like you. And, uh, and, and you know, I, I, I have a full-time job that I love and, um, don't plan on, um, quitting that anytime soon. And, uh, and, and yet th- there is ways to continually be prolific as, uh, hopefully I'm trying to at least demonstrate in a very imperfect way. Uh, but, um, but it's, but it's a struggle we all have. It doesn't matter if you're a full-time writer or not. Um, time is of, of the essence. And sometimes it feels like we, we just never have enough, enough of it. So, um, so hopefully you'll be encouraged by this interview with Carrie Donovan. And, uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Carrie Donovan. Welcome everyone to the Prolific Writer Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Pelton, and I am so thankful and privileged today to have on the show, Carrie J. Donovan. And uh, he's from, he actually was born in Dublin and uh, we're talking across the pond. And so um, he is uh, a citizen of the world and now lives in the heart of Brittany with his wonderful wife, Jan. Uh, they have three children and four children, or excuse me, three children and four grandchildren, all of whom live in England. Um, he has a ton of books, which I'm not even going to try to uh, describe. He's going to describe them for us. So welcome to the show, Carrie, and say hello. Hi. Hello there. Well, thanks uh, for, for jumping on, on the, the line with us, Carrie. And one of the things I was just telling you off uh, offline there is uh, there's so many great authors and writers that nobody's really heard about, and not to say you haven't been heard about, but that are doing uh, a, a lot of great work, have a lot of great books out there, and you're one of those. And so I'm really thankful to have you on uh, the show. And so why don't you why don't you tell me a little bit, just kind of kind of where you came from and kind of what you're uh, working on, and and uh, we'll start start from there. Well, as you said in your intro, I was born in um, Dublin, but I didn't really spend much time in. Uh... Ireland. I, I'm um, sort of an expat. Um, spent some time in Wales and the rest of my, uh, most of my adulthood in England. And as you rightly said, I'm now based in Brittany, in the heart of rural Brittany, in a village of about 50 people. And after finishing rebuilding the house, it was a, a door upper, the house. And because I've um, I've done a lot of um, practical work in my life. I used to be a cabinet maker, and uh, when I finished re- renovating the place to a standard we could live in it comfortably, I decided to um, go back to my first love, which was writing. And so- I've been writing ever since. I mean, I, I, we finished the we finished the house round about. Well, we bought the house in two thousand and four. Uh, moved out here permanently in 2007 and finished re- rebuilding the house. Uh, and we're talking plumbing, electrics, walls, roofs um, in 
about the end to the tail end of 2010 and then then i thought okay i'm going to write my next book and so you said that was 2010 round about i started writing again in 2010 after an abortive effort in the 80s 1980s um and sort of blogging really about my you know the house renovations and i started cycling again so i was doing cycling competitions and i and i blogged um the outcome of the races to my friends as a way of keeping in touch with the people back in the uk and that, that sort of got my creative juices flowing and i joined a couple of online writers sites um, abc tales and scribe a file and really got some decent feedback and i finally finished the book i started writing in 1992 in uh, i finished that in 2011 um yet to publish that one because it's the fifth in my casebook series but i've I've written the other four out of sequence. Okay. Well, that's great. So I, I, I find this interesting. Uh, there's so many authors. I, I was just interviewing uh, someone. I don't think the episode's even gone live yet, but uh, he was talking about how the, how the kind of the same vein, he you know started a blog, wasn't blogging about writing, you know, about his books, but it was just blogging about something else. And, and that's what kind of led him into getting back into writing and eventually writing fiction. And, uh, so, so go back to, so 1992, uh, you know, it only took you 20 years to get the first one done. And, uh, oh, I, I didn't, it wasn't continuous writing for 20 years. <laughs> so it's no, really, I, it's really good. I imagine. <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. It's a wonderful book, but nobody will read it for a while yet because I've got so many other projects on the go at the moment, but I actually finished my first book in 1985. Okay. And, um, it, that was in the old days before I, before probably many people had a desktop computer, and I wrote it out by hand. And my wife typed it because she's a secretary PA, and um, I finished that at the t tail end of 1985. Had a big wedge of paper, and by the end of 1986, I put it on the bonfire. <laughs> I love it because it was that it was that bad. I love it. Well, you know your story. It's funny. I mean, people listening can probably are laughing because they can they can relate. Is you know you you work the job, you you do what you feel like you're supposed to do. You know, you yeah. start working on a book, and you know it sits around. You kind of poke at it for years and years and years, and then finally you either quit the job or get serious about it, and then you you know finally finish it. And uh, and so you know, I think uh, for a lot of writers that are listening to and 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 readers is that we. Uh, you know, the, the, there's a lot of, I guess a lot of authors always say, you know, let's try to make that gap a little shorter, you know, not, you know, put it, put it away for so long. I know life happens and things like that, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's more particularly the case with um, uh, parents who have young children. So because it takes a while, no matter how um, uh, talented you are as an author or successful it does take an awful long time to generate enough income to live on through through writing alone so um you do have to put uh food on the table of your kids otherwise they start getting a bit upset <laughs> so i, I i've done i've done quite a few things in my life but I, i've always um 
had a hankering to be a full-time author and I finally um, uh, made it to that level. <laughs> Not made it as, as you know, a, a household name yet, but I have made it to the level where, where I'm a full-time author and editor. So mm -hmm. I'm making a living out of my um, first uh, love. Well, great. Yeah, I love it. So let's let's back up a little bit. Um, so 1985, 1986, you start working on a book. Yeah. 92, you start working on, it sounds like a, maybe a different book. And uh, it was a different book. <laughs> okay. So uh, so tell us, just kind of like, kind of bring us into your world as far as what kind of books were you writing? I mean, was it the same books that you're you're writing now? Was it a different genre? Um, talk about kind of your, your back, background, your influences, kind of why did you start writing the particular kind of books that you write? That's a good question. Um, <clears throat> it goes back to my, oh God, as everything I suppose goes back to my childhood, and the first adult book I ever chose from a library, without being forced to, because it was not schoolwork. You know, when you when you're a kid, there's a lot of write, reading and writing you do, uh, because you're forced to do it. Mm -hmm. And as as a guy, I wasn't particularly good or keen on the academic side of school life i'm you know i'm a sportsman oh, sorry i i'm a keen uh, sports player mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> never got to any max massive level of uh, you know uh, representative level of sports but you know i wasn't massively keen on the academic subjects but i i felt i was uh, it was something the the new headmaster um forced uh, you know um forced us all to go to the library and choose a book. So I had a quick look round the library. Um, strange place. I, it, was, it was, you had to keep quiet in it, you know. I hadn't visited it before. Uh, the school library, that is, not, nothing fancy. And I chose the smallest book I could see, thinking it would be quick. I mean, it was tiny. It really was. It was a, you could put it in the back pocket, you know. So I didn't even look at, well, yeah, I sort of looked at the title, and it was the the complete works of Sherlock Holmes by Arthur Conan Doyle. Hmm. I still have it here. I never did return it to the line, <laughs> but don't tell anybody. I've actually got it on my desk to one side. Um, it sort of bit me in the backside, really, because it was the tiniest print you've ever seen, hmm. and it was about oh eight or nine hundred pages, but they were tiny. I, I, I my eyes aren't particularly brilliant. So I actually had to get a magnifying glass out to read it. But it, it sparked my interest in, in character-driven crime novels because if, you, if anybody's actually read the original version of Sherlock Holmes, I mean, they are, it, 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 it's, a, it's a superbly well-written book that stands up to the time. And, and you, can, you can tell how good the characters are by the way they keep reinventing Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson in the, the reboots and, you know, the modern versions of the thing, elementary, you, you, the, the Americans use. And we have, uh, I think it was called Sherlock, wasn't it? The, the, the one with um, Dominic Cumberbatch. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a fantastic um, creation, the, the characters. And it sort of really lit my fire and I, um, I've become um, <coughs> enamoured by crime novels uh, and my first novel it was called um, it was called Freeman 
at, with a hyphen, Free Man. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the main character's name was John Freeman. Um, but that's as good as it, I, I, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> that's as, uh, that's the only part of that book that will survive, <laughs> and, and it, it survived into the name of the first of my case books, my DCI Jones case books, it was called Sean Freeman because they're all um, subtitled with the name of the the leading uh, antagonist character. Okay. Because okay. DCI Jones is is the the gumshoe, the the cop. Uh, DCI is a, a rank in the British um, Police Service, uh, Detective Chief Inspector. So he's a, quite a senior, mature detective, and his name is David Jones. I wanted an everyman sort of name for him. Um, and the subtitles for all the, the casebook novels are the antagonists. So Sean Freeman is actually a jewel thief. And then the next book is Raymond Collins, who's um, a psychotic murderer. And then we've got Ellis Flynn, who's um, 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 what is he? He's a paedophile, murdering animal, nasty piece of work. And uh, the final, <laughs> the final book, or the most recent case book is Cryer's View and um, Phil Cryer is actually actually David Jones' sidekick so I sort of put the trend on that one That's great So um, So it's my first series that's um, four books in that series I've got another few planned but another more recent series has taken over in popularity and I've um, I've um, been concentrating on the Ryan Kane adventure novels Okay. adventure thrillers well yeah you have a lot lot of uh great great books uh in the Thank works you. and uh they're doing quite well and so so i want to i want to kind of go back uh just as you were starting to <laughs> you know 1992 you're kind of piddling around with a novel um what you know when yeah. you first kind of sat down to to say okay i got this story idea or kind of a seed of an idea i mean what was what was your process back then i mean did you have any kind of structure did you have any kind of idea of what you were doing or how you how you would do it and then talk a little bit kind of how your your process has evolved since then well not in the slightest actually i had no process whatsoever i i i sit at my desk Back in the back in 1992, it was just before I started my um, university degree as a mature student, so I didn't have that much time, which is why it took so long. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but basically, I, I I have an outline idea for um, an opening line, <laughs> in effect, or or a general plot idea. I wanted to um, I wanted to explore. So basically, if I'm starting a book, I normally start with a title. I just twiddle around with an idea. I mean, with my with my series books, they they are they have a formula for the title. Like for example, I've already discussed the DCI Jones. Normally, has a, a sub, the, the second or the subtitle is is usually a, a person's name. Mm-hmm. And with the Ryan Kane, it's Ryan Kane colon on the. So he's in the first one, he's on the run. Then he's on the dif- on the uh, rocks. Then he's on the 
defensive. Is on the attack is the most recent one. So I, I, I have an idea. It's, it's a strange way I work. I don't recommend this to anybody because <laughs> uh, we all have our own processes. Um, and with that book, it was actually called Out of Control. I didn't even have a, a series title for that. Uh, it opened up. I wanted to uh, create um, an atmospheric uh, opening. Um, focusing in or leading to the discovery of a dead body. Um, so I, I wrote, that's just it, and I just typed, started typing because by that stage I'd um, uh, bought myself a PC, a very old, uh, well, it was bang, bang up to date at the time, but I think it was, I think I had to wind it up with a, a, a key. Uh, or maybe it, uh, it was steam powered, I think. <laughs> But um, I, I, I didn't, I couldn't really type at the time, so it was, it was a very long, long and tedious process. But I did finish. Uh, I got about halfway through that book. So going back to the actual process issue, I late, I, I basically come up with at least two characters, and and as in my crime series, there's usually a, a good guy and a bad guy, or and shades in between. And then I, it sounds a bit um, mad, mad, really, but I let them lead the way because I know the main goodie, the, the DCI Jones character, is an, an amalgamation of two or three people I, I actually know. And, and the, all the bad parts of it is me. All the bad parts of him is me. Um, and I, I let him lead scene with with a few you know character traits traits of his own and and the, the each new book i have to invent or develop uh, at least one new character uh you know the villain in most cases <clears throat> so that's it that's what i do i carry on and and i tried outlining once but it lasted about the outline i wrote for chapter by chapter for the whole book lasted about half an hour <laughs> because as soon as the guy, the uh, I mean, I sound probably psychotic, but as soon as I start writing, let's see, my David Jones character, I have an idea that he's going to drive to a crime scene, um, but something happens and he gets diverted for some reason, and I haven't written the diversion into the plot. I don't know, he, he gets a phone call and he's pulled away on, on another crime. I mean, it just happens. So I then have to find a way of getting him back to the original crime I've been writing about. And by the end of the book, I've got all these diversions and plot holes I have to either fill or, or scrub out. And it's not the most efficient way of writing a book because mm -hmm. a lot of – it's called pantsering, pantsing, mm -hmm. you know, dry, uh, writing by the seat of your pants. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, I've tried outlining and I've tried to be more – prescriptive with my writing but it doesn't work for me it works for other people mm -hmm. but it somehow doesn't work for me i'm not disciplined enough in that respect i imagine but um i think as a result my books are i don't think you can call them formulaic mm -hmm. i mean I, i'd like to to think people uh, don't find them formulaic because i mean it's all my books are character driven <coughs> excuse me 
sorry, I, I did say at the start I've just recovered from a bout of the flu and I, I'm, I'm sort of coughing and spluttering. Right. So technically, please forgive me. No problem. But no, I, I think there's, you know, you've said a couple of really good, helpful things. I think one is, you know, people have to know who they are and what works for them and try different things. I know for me, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I've tried outlining and I find uh, outlining one just boring. Um, I, I don't, I don't like to know where it's going. Um, I like to, I, I like the reader to be as surprised as I am. And, yeah. and at the same time, I'm, I'm like you, I, I spend more time working on the outline. I actually won't end up writing and I, or I just get bored and it's like, why am I outlining when I could just be writing? Um, and, couldn't agree more. And so, but, but, you know, for others that's, that's terrifying and that's scary. And yeah, maybe, maybe the books are, you know, formulaic or, or whatever. Uh, but, but I think there's a, there's an expectation though. You may say formula, but, but there's an expectation, I think of readers, if your stories are character driven and, you know, certain things should happen and, and there should yeah. be action and there should be, you know, conflict. And, um, so, you know, as much as, you know, put, you know, kill here, I mean, that's, maybe that's a formula, <laughs> but maybe it's not. Uh, but yeah, there's certain, certain expectations and it, it sounds like, I mean, obviously you're finding a readership and people that are enjoying your books. And so, um, you know, nobody's going to know if you outlined it or you pantsed it. That's or, true. So long as, so long as all the joins, are, uh, you know, all the gaps are joined up by right. the end of the, right. by the publication process. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, um, so, so when you, uh, find yourself, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, at times kind of having to scrub some parts of your book out, um, do, do you find yeah. because you don't outline that, that sometimes you, you get kind of in the corner or is it, is it more? Yes. You and yes. Okay. Immensely. I mean, I found myself, um, digging myself a, a huge holes time and again, where you think, I, I mean, how did he get here mm-hmm. and how do I get him out? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, that's quite, a, and I find that a, a really enjoyable part of the process i mean the number of times i've had to stop writing and go out for a run or a cycle and just switch off mm-hmm. uh to and and enable the ideas to to percolate and run around and you know cancel plots and you move out but i, I will tell you this if i delete scenes from a book i never throw them away mm-hmm. because i will often come back and use that same scene in a different book because there's no, I, I, nothing's waste, you know, cutting and pasting. That's easy. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you this, though. I mean, even the, the sort of weird and not very formulaic process I, or the non-process I use, I have found my method telescoping down. I mean, the very first book I actually published was a, a novella, it was only 20,000 words. It's the, the Ray Collins. Uh, that's the second of the case books. Mm-hmm. But by the time I, f- I wrote that and rewrote it, it had gone through a- about 17 iterations by the time it reached the publication stage. Nowadays, I'll probably fin- start and finish a book within four or five versions. And the fifth version is always the one after it's been to the development editor. Mm-hmm. So the process, I mean, you it's like anything. You get practice at anything, and you get to know how to word scenes, even though the scenes are different. Um, you, you know, I don't write the same scenes in, in, in different books, but just change the names. <laughs> I mean, I've seen that done before. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I, no names, no pack drill on that one. <laughs> Um, but 
it's it's the same as anything when you when you start at a, a, a process you, you start learning um anything eventually you will get more and more if you keep if you persevere you will become more and more skilled at that process whatever it may be mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. I, I i defy anybody to jump in a swimming pool and swim properly first time around mm -hmm. jump on a bicycle and you won't you keep falling off until you get it right and eventually if you keep persevering you, you will become easier so that's uh, it happened with me my, my my most successful book so far ryan kane on the run the first in the action thriller series um was published goodness was it last may last march can't remember i i'll get the dates out more accurately but i actually i actually wrote and and uh, finished that in three uh, in three months, but three versions, and it's um, most of my books are about round about the hundred thousand k mark, so um, it, between ninety ninety thousand and one hundred ten thousand words. I like to give my uh, readers value mm -hmm. <laughs> for a very for a very decent price. I might add. So that uh, and that just flew off the page. I wrote that very very quickly and and reread rewrote it two times and twice and, and and you know that was a huge success. So that's why I've not written any more case books recently because the Ryan Kane adventure yarns have, have sort of become really rather popular. Okay, which okay. is um, which is you know lovely. Uh -huh. Right, <laughs> means I can eat tomorrow. Right. Well, I, I love your your approach. I I know for a lot of indie writers, it's you know you got your you know DCI Jones casebook series, and you have your Ryan Kane series, your newer series, and you know sometimes it's experimenting, see what series kind of hit, what audience yeah. like certain books, and sometimes Absolutely. hey, if if they're liking a certain book, I'm going to keep writing those books. Uh, Absolutely. So so let's talk. So you write a hundred thousand word. That those are you know long books. Um, it's it's um it's not. By any means given, I don't set out to write the hundred thousand words. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be honest, if I could turn out a, a, a decent story in 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 sixty thousand words, mm -hmm. that would be fine because I'd be able to publish more more frequently. It's just that because I I like to develop character as much as or as alongside story, they tend to be. A little bit longer than 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 average. I mean, I, I had a look at the the Wikipedia definitions of book lengths the other day. Can't remember why, but the the new definition for a book is anything over forty thousand words. Mm -hmm. Two, three, four years ago, it used to be eighty five thousand words for a book. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, obviously the process is telescoping down because not many people, you know, if you get an ebook out on a Kindle or, or a, any other um, um, word, uh, you know, book reader, then you don't have an idea of the size of the book. I mean, you can take a book, off, a, a real book off the shelf and you can see the sort of tone you're, you're lugging around, but you don't get the same thing with ebooks. <clears throat> So anyway, it's nothing specific. I mean, I I have written a shorter shorter books and I have written longer books, but they tend to be between about you know around about the ninety to a hundred thousand um, word mark. 
So, so when you have a, a, a manuscript, a, a rough draft about, let's say, 90 to 100,000, how, how clean are those, those drafts? Because it sounds like, I mean, a couple of these books, you've only, got, you only went through it two or three times. I mean, are, are, what, are you, what are you going through to fix? What are you correcting? I mean, is it grammar? Is it spelling? Is it, is it plot? Is it uh, all the above? All of the above, but I've, um, I'm an editor uh, mm-hmm. as well. Um, so it's during the, right, during the first um, iteration, you know, when I'm writing the first draft, I don't even read it back to myself, uh, except the previous paragraph when I'm starting the next morning or maybe the, 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 the chapter I'm working on. You know, if I if I close the close this, the system down and then open it up the next day, I want to know where I left off, mm-hmm. and I might read the previous three or four pages or three or four paragraphs. But in general terms, I, I don't. I mean, I have an idea where the plot is, and then I, I'll put little markers in the manuscript as as to what, you know if I if I'm developing a new character. I won't have a character, diag- you know, written for him. But if he's got green eyes, I want to make sure I remember he's got green eyes. So I put little markers in the um, in the books to remind me where I've made the, the initial description. Or if I'm if I'm uh, leaving part of a plot uh, for cliffhanger purposes um, at the end of a chapter, then I will flag that area so I know that I to remind myself to fill that or, or to, to continue that part of the story without forgetting about it. Mm-hmm. So when I come to the second draft, um, nowadays, most of the actual writing isn't that bad, um, even if I do say so myself. Um, the actual line editing side of things, you know, the sentence structure, because I'm doing this all the time for both my writing and my editing. Mm-hmm. I am creating scenes and using words all the time. Um, so it becomes easier to, it, it also becomes easier to notice, to, to note where things have gone wrong, where, where, where scenes don't work, mm-hmm. and to identify what part of those scenes don't work and why, and, and how to fix them much more quickly, mm-hmm. which is why now, now I don't do, I don't need so many rewrites. Mm-hmm. But I've been doing, I've been at this game for a, a good long, because even when I wasn't writing fiction, I was publishing reports. Uh, uh, you know, I've written uh, non-fiction uh, books and had, had um, scientific journal articles published for, for, for many years. So, you know, the, the whole process of putting words into the, into the, onto the page um, has become not second nature, but it, it does become more practised. <clears throat> And that's the that that's the basic rule, uh, you know, for all new authors or newish authors is the only way you get good, uh, you improve at something is by doing it and practicing it mm-hmm. and having feedback from people to find out what works and what doesn't and, and then learning from that. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. No, that's that's really good, really helpful advice because I think a lot of young authors and those listening, uh, you know, feel overwhelmed. Usually, that first book or first couple of books just feel overwhelming often because yeah. of the editing because of you know it's such a mess and 
you know, words and structure and spelling and, and things don't work. And, and so you get, you get critical and you want to just give up. And so I think as you do it, as you're saying it, it, it really does. It's amazing how much better you get. You can spot. It, it, absolutely. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't um, emphasize that more to any beginning authors, beginning writers out there. There, there are things, there are rules, uh, gram, grammar rules mm -hmm. that you really need to know mm -hmm. so that, you know when you can drop them. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are rules to, f to create a sentence, you know, subject, uh, object, verb, mm -hmm. but all of those rules. But knowing when you can and how you can break those rules for dramatic effect is very important. Mm -hmm. um, and the number of, uh, the number of times I've, I've tried editing um, a new author's books where you see things, you know, basic things where they change tenses from f f uh, present to past and, and, and future tense in the same paragraph. And it's, it's, you know, really basic little rules that you will, you will learn and you will improve with practice. Mm -hmm. And I can't stress that enough. Really, mm -hmm. We're not all born as writers in the same way as we're not all born uh, to to hit a golf ball 350 meters. Right. Okay, so it's you you learn it, and and the, the people that that learn and keep practicing. Tiger Woods uh, had played golf since he was three. Mm -hmm. Okay, he's coming back. <laughs> mm -hmm. But you know, golfers aren't born golfers; they learn it. They have natural gifts and abilities, but they have to hone those skills. Mm -hmm. No, that's really good. Yeah, I I, I think you know by doing you're you're going to learn and you know and i think even those first books when you have a good editor i, I know from my first editor yeah. she just really helped me also see the places that i i you know everyone every writer has kind of common mistakes that they they do kind of the same yeah. thing over and over and over or use certain words over and over and over and so having a good editor that has an eye for that can kind of say hey you, you do this a lot you have certain kinds of tendencies and then, yeah. and then once you kind of have your work and you, and then you start editing yourself, then you realize, Oh, okay, I'm doing that again. I need to fix that. Um, or I'm breaking this rule or, you know, I mean, the nice thing about fiction is you do have a, definitely a lot more leeway, a lot more freedom yes. to kind of Absolutely. play, play with words and, you know, do break grammar <laughs> rules or well, not. You can, but it's knowing when and how to right. break the rules. Right. That's good. Um, it's very important, but you have to know the rules in the first place mm -hmm. to, in, in order to play fast and loose with them. Right. So um, it's very important. And a lot of um, uh, challenges I get with from new authors um, who are maybe being edited for the first time because uh, they want to publish um, and they've had feedback from friends, relatives, families, ARC readers – uh, who may or may not have the skills to know what works and what doesn't work, but the feedback they've had has been positive, so they want to take it to the next level. These are beginning authors I'm talking about. Sometimes it's very easy for for an author to be um, to find a, uh, an editor um, uh, or to think an editor's being hypercritical or downright nasty. Um, and that's just something you've got to learn to take on the chin because um, a professional editor, for, um, I like to think that I, my only object when I'm editing somebody else's book is to help that author 
make the book, make their baby the best it can possibly be. Now, if I have to be harsh but fair to do that, then the author needs to bear that in mind. I'm not being horrible because I'm a nasty piece of work, even though I am <laughs> on a, at times, if you ask my wife anyway. Um, then some authors, some writers don't get to the next level in their career because they don't, are unable to take um, uh, critiques mm -hmm. in the way in which they are, pre are given or intended. Some people get very upset and go off in a huff. You never hear from them again. Um, but, you know, maybe they find a better editor than me. Go along that way. Yeah, I, th I think, you know, the human nature, I think you know, at first it always feels like an attack. It feels personal. <laughs> yeah. It feels, you know, how dare you, you know, critique my art. But I think if you, you let... If you let you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't understand yeah. what I'm writing. No, because right, right. you can't bleed and well write yet. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Sorry. But if you, you know, you let it, you sit with it for long enough, I think you, you begin to go, oh, okay, I see, you know, you aren't attacking me. You're just trying to help me. And, yes. And you can, you know, take I always, I always try, um, when I am editing, oh, we moved on to the editing side here rather than my writing side, but I always try when I, in my edits to, 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 to be a little, to offer more feedback than a, than an absolute, you know, hard nosed edit. Mm hmm. Um, try and make it a little bit lighthearted and explain. I always explain why I think something works particularly well or doesn't work particularly well. So I, I if, for example, a scene, uh, I, I mean, I've, I've got a string of, of, of authors of, of various levels and doing various genres, and some of them are an absolute joy to work with. You know, you think, oh, I can't wait to edit the next one and others are a little bit more work because they're at different levels of their authorial journey mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's still it's still a joy to work on other people's work because to have people trust me to help them produce a better book is 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 a delight and of course it seeing how other people work help help me with my writing as well no that's good that's really helpful um, so let, let's uh, let's get a little bit into uh, kind of process, but not writing process. So you uh, you know started writing a long time ago, and then you know as of recent 2010 2011 started you know publishing your own stuff. Um, mm -hmm. How are you learning kind of you know ebook, print, covers, all that kind of stuff? Like what what have you been kind of learning along the way? You have really great great covers, by the way. So, so thanks. So talk to. We do spend a, an awful lot of time, but not very much money on our covers because we've got a process. My editor and I, what I'm, I'll just put a, a word out for my editor, Michaela uh -huh. Miles. She's, she lives in Australia, which is the joy of the internet age, of course. I mean, I've never met her in person, but she's my go-to girl. She, she does my website and we discuss the covers. She does everything. She's, she, she's wonderful. Uh -huh. And, um, she keeps me on 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 the on the go. We we've worked the processes together. So as a team, um, we'll have a discussion on, let's say, the covers. Um, I'll know what the story's about before she's even had a chance to edit it first time around. So 
when she's done the, completed the first edit, and, and we don't bother with development edits anymore because I handle that myself, but she does the, the first copy edit. Mm -hmm. And after the end of that, while I'm working on the rewrites, we'll, we'll be discussing things like blurbs um, and the covers so that we get the process sorted out. And I, I'm, thanks for saying we're, we're very proud of our Ryan Kane covers, actually. Mm -hmm. I think they hit the mark. And, and to all the viewers... Uh, watching this <laughs> in in on radio or, or um, podcast, uh, you'll have to go and have a look at the, the covers. I think to to see um, to see whether I'm blowing my own trumpet erroneously. <laughs> no, they're great. They're great. Thank you. Yeah, they they. Uh, I mean, look, you wouldn't know. I mean that that they're indie published by any means. I mean, they're just as good as any mainstream publisher. Uh, so. So your uh, your editor and your cover designer are the same person? Is that what to, to clarify? That? Well, no, I, I I design the covers. Okay, I have the concept, mm -hmm. um, and because she's skilled in graphics, and she, as I said, she is a web designer as well. She um, does that. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, we discuss the concept, mm -hmm. and she roughs out the basic um, graphic, and then we farm that out to an actual uh, graphics designer mm -hmm. to smooth out the wrinkles and make sure all the, the, the all the joins are uh, invisible. Because, for example, if you look at the first Ryan Kane book on the run, there are something like eight or well, there are something like 25 layers on that photoshopped graphic mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and each one of those layers has uh, has a different um uh, image on it i don't know how the technically i don't know how they work mm -hmm. but it's built up in layers and as i said orion kane on the run is has something like 25 different layers on it and of those layers there are there are seven photographs that we bought, uh, stock photographs we, we own the rights to. So by the time that's all put together in one package, then it comes back from the actual um, graphics artist as the finished article. But we have the editing um, package mm -hmm. so that we can change various things on it. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and for example, uh, I managed to add... Um, number one bestseller to it halfway through so that was that was quite nice so we needed the you know the the, the main files in order to to make our mm -hmm. slight changes as we as we needed okay. as we need them so yeah that, that's and it's the same process with, with everything else i mean i write the blurb mm -hmm. um and then she edits it and we just dis, we discuss the thing uh, as and because i've been using microsoft word for since 92 I format my books myself, so I don't need um, other other help in that respect. Okay. Um, so all all of the process is pretty well in house now. We've got it worked out. Um, we've got it sort of um, sh the process shaved down quite um, quite well now. I think. Mm. I like to think that the finished article, both the the paperbacks and the ebooks, are. Um, pretty good. I'm not guaranteeing that you won't find a typo or two in there because we are human. 
Sure. Um, sure. But one of the joys of the e-books, electronic books, is is we can um, check, uh, up, update them when whenever we find, uh, whenever we're told about um, uh, errors or typos or. I think my my son <laughs> has just finished reading my uh, the paperback version of the latest Ryan Kane on the attack, and he found uh, I changed <laughs> towards the end of the publication process. I changed the dates on the chapter headings because with Ryan Kane, I often put the 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 day, the date, and the month. To, to give a sort of a, a chronological process to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I changed them all. I put the later chapters two or three days later than they were originally written, and it moved over from November to December of this particular year. But I forgot that I mentioned November in the text of the, of the chapter, and my son came, ah, it's November, it should have been December, got you, Dad. <laughs> so um, anyway, I just changed that, yeah. but it, it takes a little bit longer to change right. the paperbacks. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, I know, it's a little more of a pain. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, what, what I love about your process and those that are listening in is, is I just was interviewing someone and they were talking about how, you know, when we talk about indie publishing or even calling it self-publishing, whatever, um, is you're really not alone. I mean, you have a team, you have people looking yeah. at your work, you have, you know, designers, you have editors. And, and I like that because what you're doing is you're getting feedback on the cover. You're talking through ideas. You're talking through blurb ideas because we always think our ideas are always the best and, you know, and, and, it, and it works and our, our design's always the best, but to have another, eye, yeah, another eye on it is always great. I mean, even your own son picking out, you know, airs and things. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's really good, and, and he's not a sycophant either. If he doesn't like right. something I've written, he'll tell me about right. it. So it's very important when you, and this is a general rule. This is a general rule. It's very important to uh, find yourself readers, arc readers, beta readers that aren't afraid to tell you what they don't like. Mm-hmm. It's all well and good having a nice group of fans who love every word you say, but that's not always the best feedback to get. Um, so be careful not to rely too heavily. Okay, it's lovely to have positive feedback, don't get me wrong, but make sure that positive feedback is honest mm-hmm. um, because not everybody will like everything I write. I, I can't understand it myself. But, <laughs> Because I write gems, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I also sit under toadstools and um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> talk to the fairies. So uh, let's let's talk. Uh, so you have uh, you know editing. You do editing. You have others look. You have an editor. You you work that out. Yes. Cover design, blurbs, all those things. What have you found uh, just as a new newer author in the last you know five, six, seven years, still writing books, getting your name out there? What do you, what have you been finding to be kind of the best marketing? Um, you know, getting your name out there. What has been most helpful for you? Um, I do. There are so many things, and it changes so often. Um, I've just started um, dabbling. uh, Michaela and I have started dabbling in in Facebook adverts, Mm -hmm. and we're learning the process on that, and it's a a changing scene all the time. Um, But I I use Facebook groups a lot. Mm -hmm. So social media is, 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 is 
the catch-all phrase to use, but um, there are paid promotion sites which I um, which I use. Bookbub is is the big boy. Everybody wants to, you know, you cut a finger off if they asked you to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and basically, I, I do. I'm a member of a retweeting um, Facebook group. I spend maybe, oh, I don't know, about half an hour every day. I'd like to be able to um, pay a, a virtual assistant, a PA, um, to to do the work for me. But I'm a bit mean, and I don't like paying for things I can do myself. But it's going to get <laughs> sorry, it's going to get to a stage where, with all the other things I have to do to produce a book, some things um, got to give. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to farm out um, more and more of the the non-creative side of things mm-hmm. to a virtual assistant. I, it's, I'm, I'm getting to that level, and it's one of these decisions where you make um, when you take on new when you take on staff. And I've done this in in uh, real jobs in the past. When you take on staff, there's a, there's a huge learning process and curve, and and you end up losing time until the new no matter how skilled they are until that new employee uh, comes up to speed and learns your processes and you become uh, confident in their ability to do what you want them to do so I'm, I'm sort of at the level now when you think ah you know I, I really ought to start paying for somebody to do some of this stuff for me so I can get on with the stuff I really enjoy doing, like writing and editing. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's what, you know, it's difficult because in any of the, of the, shall we dare I call it the arts mm-hmm. where, or being self-employed, if you're not actually producing the work, you're looking for it. And if you're not looking for it or producing the work, you're not earning. So it's that, you know, how much of an overhead do I have to, bear it all do i have to invest in order to make it more than just break even mm-hmm. sorry that's uh that's a long-winded there there is no magic bullet apart sure. from producing the best possible books uh in, in, in you can do and I, I i think my books are good i mean i'm not saying they're uh, literature of the highest order, but I think they're a good, enjoyable read. And people who, who the majority of people who read my books come back for more, and that, and that's easily measurable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a question of trying to find more people to open that first book mm-hmm. of mine. So, do you so, have uh, do you have a like an active email list? I mean, do you have a way you're inter- interacting with fans and kind of getting feedback and and hearing what I, they're thinking? I do. I have, um, and this is another one of those things that, one of those processes that that takes time and, and in, in effect, doesn't actually earn money initially. And and that sounds very um, uh, greedy to to think of term, things in terms of money. But you know, you have to. It's a professional industry. You have to create um, a product and sell it. Um, I, I have a number of um, uh, a growing news list, newsletter list, mm-hmm. and I have a specific. Um, f- for example, there's a there's an opt-in um, 
to, to join the Friends of Ryan Kane. At the back of each book, you know, so you, you click on there and it's, there's a welcome page, you sign you. And it's obviously it's free, but w- with people that specifically join the, the Friends of Ryan Kane, they will get things, uh, get to know things a lot earlier. I mean, I, I give cover reveals. I, I, I have sometimes, I, I plan little snippets uh, and, and, I, and I also write little um, small stories that I, I will be giving to my fans, you know, novelettes, sorry, novellas or whatever. Uh, and they'll get them uh, free as for, for feedback. And, you know, I, I, I offer um, prizes for uh, anybody who, uh, you know, writes a review. They become an arc reader. So they get a free copy of the book next time. So, I mean, I have to limit that because I, I'm getting quite a few uh, members and I can't give everything away. Mm-hmm. So, for example, with the friends of Ryan Kane, they're, they're very keen Obviously, they love the character and they love the stories. But I'm also uh, asking, uh, you know, I ask them to choose covers, for example, you know, give them uh, options on the next cover and mm-hmm. maybe uh, invite them to to, to give me a, a character name I can use. And then I'll refer, you know, to that character and tell me why I should use your name as a, as a villain sort of thing. Yeah. Just keep people happy, keep people interested. And I like to be personal on that, but obviously I, I, I don't want to inundate people with, um, newsletters after newsletter because, you know, I don't want to spam anyone. So for example, the, the, the friends of Ryan Kane will only get one, one newsletter a month mm-hmm. unless there's something specific I have to tell them in terms of sort of a new release or, or something like, like for example, uh, this podcast, you know, I will tell them when it's up and mm-hmm. live, I will tell them and, and you'll have ooh, one or two hits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we want. Uh, it's, a, it's a delight to, to, to know that of the, you know, 10,000 uh, Ryan Kane books I've sold, uh, so many, so, you know, a, a, a decent proportion of those go on to want to become, you know, go out of their way, not only to buy and read the books, mm-hmm. but go out of their way to join the club, mm-hmm. which, which is very, uh, you know, it's very enervating it's really rather nice to to have feedback because writing is can be quite a lonely uh, profession Mm -hmm. sitting here tapping away in my little garret Mm -hmm. in the middle of france with a tiny little with it's absolutely pitch black out there now because it's nearly 10 o'clock here Mm -hmm. and there isn't a light anywhere because i'm in the middle and almost in the middle of nowhere the nearest village to me is two miles north and the the there's another village two miles south and i've got a tiny and i'm in the middle of a tiny little hamlet of Mm -hmm. yeah 20 or 30 houses but it's spread out over acres Mm -hmm. (laughs) love it well i think that's i I think you're describing what i mean one writers are very jealous of you living in a you know small little 50 person quiet you know where you can just type away and make your books uh but but actually in the summer like i tried the um ernest hemingway approach where i got my laptop (laughs) took it out into the garden and tried uh, to write in the garden Uh of course 
Oh, well, I kept getting in and dive-bombed with flies and birds <laughs> crapping on me from the tree. You have to go under the trail to cover yourself from, uh, you know, protect yourself from the sun because you can't right. see the screen. And to be honest, it was a pain. So right. I, I took it, I lasted about an hour and took it back inside. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I've had the same thing where I live in the Midwest in the U.S. And, you know, it's in the summer, it's so humid and sweaty and, you know, mosquitoes and... <laughs> You know, it sounds great. Yeah, oh, I'll go sit on the I'll sit on the porch and enjoy iced tea, and you know you're getting yeah. bit by you know bees and yeah. you know cars are driving by. But anyway, uh, but you know I think what's what's so neat about you know the indie world and the books you're writing and the books I write and things is the interaction you can have with the fans through email, through Facebook, through absolutely, it's very um, much more me- immediate than. Right. than- than the old traditional way seems to be. Right. Um, but it has its downsides, of course. I mean, you know, you, you have to do a lot more um, of the back office processes. Mm-hmm. But then again, I don't have anybody telling me what to write. I mean, I, I chose to write Ryan Kane on, on a whim. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it hadn't been successful, I, I'd have written two or three more case books by now. But I always it's it's one of the as I said one of the, the 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 joys of being an indie is the fact that you can react to things a lot more quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can pu- I publish a book. Uh, I publish three or four books a year, which isn't very m- many compared to a lot of indies. But I said my books are, are longer than most, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's an awful lot more productive than the traditional authors used to be back in the day mm-hmm. because um, we have we can have faster turnaround times but then again I mean I, I haven't written much this year because I've been concentrating on my editing uh, side of things mm-hmm. so much so that I've had to book myself t- writing time <laughs> mm-hmm. into my schedule mm-hmm. which is yeah, always, I, every weekend now which is quite fun yeah, yeah every every year's different you know i know last year i had i think five or six out this year i haven't had one out yet i may have a bunch in the works but yeah Yeah. it's just different you know everyone's different pace and different uh stages of completion and life absolutely we had a had a new baby this year so that you know yeah it's our what what make uh it's a girl it's our first girl we have three Uh, boys three boys and a girl so and your first girl oh well congratulations yeah our last one so in about 15 years you're going to regret it right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. i have i have a, a girl and two boys and um four grandchildren three three boys and a girl mm-hmm. and you'll never guess who's my favorite and i can't say on air <laughs> yeah 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 i i feel like the girl's already my favorite but i won't don't tell my boys no no, no I, I didn't hear that you didn't know yeah, you no, have to no. that out mate they won't, they won't hear this. So, uh, so Carrie, it's been an absolute privilege and an honor to have you on the show. And I'm so glad people could hear your story and, um, get into your series, the Ryan Kane series and DCI Jones series. And I know you have other books. Uh, so tell us kind of, if someone is, you know, listening, wants to kind of jump in maybe first time, haven't heard your name yet. What, what book should they get into? And then kind of tell us what you have coming out and also how, we, how they can find you. Okay, first of all, it, it all depends on what you like. If you like a, a, a character-based police procedural, you go for the DCI Jones case books. They're all on my Amazon page. Um, 
So the first, they're numbered. So the first one would be Sean Freeman. But as I said, those are Brit- British-based. So there's not that much uh, in terms of gunplay or um, uh, car chases. It's much more cerebral than that. Mm-hmm. As I said, my initial um, uh, love was reading old-fashioned sleuths. So if you're looking for um, gritty but um realistic crime solving then the case books are are for you but if you're looking for if you're more a summer blockbuster type who likes the action thriller then you might like to start with ryan kane on the run i mean there's four books in the series so far there's a lot more to come um the ryan kane is uh, i i pitch them as if you like um jason bourne and Taken, or Jack Reacher, then that's the sort of area we're looking at in terms, but with a British accent and a lot more class. <laughs> um, there's also another series I'm working on for for contractual purposes, which sounds a lot a lot <laughs> more important than it is. I wrote um, a book called On Lucky Shores, which is my first and so far only. US-based. It's set in Colorado, the Colorado Rockies. Um, And that was out in 2016. It was my first major bestseller. And for some reason, people um, enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. It's about a drifter who who, uh, hitchhikes around America looking for the perfect song. He's a musician. And he stumbles on this, um, across this sort of, Rundown town with a, a murky history and um, it has an adventure. And uh, I, I, I intended that to be the first of the series, but other things took over. But I, I did write the sequel last year, and somebody wrote to me asking whether I'm ever going to write, you know, publish that sequel. And it's going to be part of a box set, um, the sequel. So I'm working on that now. Um, again, that's that's actually quite a short one. That's only going to finish off around 70,000 words, that one. But it's what happens next. And I've already written the first half of book three in that. So it's going to be a trilogy. Okay. Well, so... When that comes out, it's all going to be set in Colorado because it's the only place in America I've actually visited mm-hmm. to date. Um, uh, and I loved it. Well, I'd, I saw the Grand Canyon and, and uh, Flagstaff, Arizona, and, and that sort of region. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I, I loved it more than I expected to. It surprised me how, how small town America was so nice, um, despite because we, we get a certain view of. America, from your TV shows and your, uh, and your and your news uh, and your politics, right, right, <laughs> say, say no more. But I, I I thoroughly enjoyed the place, so I thought um, I'd love to set a book, and it was my um, uh, I wrote it as a sort of an a- antidote to Jack Reacher. I don't know whether you're familiar with that character. Yep, Lee Child. Yep. Yeah. So um, I wanted uh, to make the hitchhiker around America a little bit more, what should we say, Um, a a, a different character. I I wanted him to be um, a little bit less 
superhuman, mm -hmm. shall we say. So anyway, I'm writing the sequel to that now, and that should be finished within the next couple of weeks. And I'll be sh shooting that off to my um, uh, editor. And that will, when I when that comes, um, that will come out in September, but as part of a box set. And when that box set goes out of publication next year, I will then have that released. So I will release very quickly um, on Lucky Shores and the next two as as a trilogy, okay. uh, very rapidly. So that will sort of finish that story off for for the fans. Um, and I have uh, been fielding. Um, sort of not complaints but you know please write a sequel please write. Mm -hmm. and i hate upset you know letting down my fans so I'm, I'm going to spend the next two months or so writing that series um finishing that trilogy off okay uh, for publication in in very early 2019 so that's that one um Great. yeah there you are you see so you you you'll have three you know for a new reader to my works if you like uh british police procedurals go for the case books if you like the action thrillers go for ryan kane and there, there is a little crossover between the two series as well so they happen in the same sort of uh, universe if you like mm -hmm. and then alternatively you can go on to have a look at the lucky shores but you might probably be best to wait until the the trilogies mm -hmm is released next year for that. Otherwise, you'll be waiting to see what happens to Chet Walker. And then the the best place to find you, Amazon, uh, do you have a website? Probably. I do have a website. But if, if you Google me with the J, so it's Kerry J. Donovan, mm -hmm. uh, most Google searches will find me. Um, but if you add .com to that, kerryjdonovan.com, you'll come to my website. Trouble is, because we're, we're, we're in the process of publishing very very in, intensively at the minute um the the website's a little bit out of date and we're we're building a new one but because my <laughs> because michaela is my editor she uh i ask her to do the editing before the website builds so it's a, it's a little bit um it's sort of my fault the website is out of date but um, I, I'd much rather produce the product <laughs> mm -hmm. than spend the time on the website, right. which okay. she doesn't. So anyway, there you are. Yeah, Kerry J. Donovan. I know you had trouble finding me on Skype because right. you said there, there were a million Kerry Donovans. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Men and women. I, so. I don't think so, sir. It's not John Smith I am. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, Kerry J. Donovan, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, you've helped a lot of writers. And I'm looking forward to also a lot of readers getting into your work. And so thank you for the time. Ryan, it's been an absolute delight. It's been wonderful talking to you. Well, there you have it, prolific writer nation, Kerry Donovan, episode number 61. Another great, inspirational, encouraging, hopeful show about what it takes to become a prolific writer so thank you carrie donovan uh, for coming on the show go check out his books the dci jones casebook series uh, the ryan kane series he has tons of books out there they're doing really well i think you'll enjoy them fun reads and uh, thank you carrie for coming on and sharing your story your journey your wisdom with us and uh, i know you helped a lot of a writer so thank you uh, for that and and i just love uh, again the uh you know not that long ago he wasn't really doing a whole lot with writing and now he is a prolific writer and he is doing the work and and so can you and so hopefully you can can draw from his his courage his inspiration um his grit 
And, uh, and you know, I know you got stories in you and I know you got books in you and, and messages you want to share. And so, um, get out there and do it. And, uh, Hey, if you do get a chance, um, go check out two things, the project entertainment network host of shows. We have, you know, 18 to, I don't even know what it's up to. Maybe it's 30. I don't I have no idea. Um, but at least 18 shows, project entertainment network, ton of subjects, ton of topics. Uh, we are part of that family and that, um, family of podcasts. And so go check those out. And then secondly, if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher or Google play or wherever you listen to this show, it really helps us get the show out into the world. Go listen to some of those other podcasts on project entertainment network, leave some ratings and reviews. It helps them get the word out too. So, um, so thankful to be part of this family and, uh, Hey, this is Ryan J. Pelton, the prolific writer. And I just have one thing to say is go get those words on the page people. Now let's go. I'll talk to you real, real soon. Join us each Wednesday on the Mondo Method Podcast, brought to you by Project Entertainment Network. The Mondo Method Podcast features authors Armand Rosamilia and Chuck Buddha as they discuss the writing process from both the veteran and the novice perspectives. Each episode ends with a segment called Marketing Morsels, where expert publicist Aaron Sweet Almahari teaches everyone how to promote their work and sell more books. Check us out on the Mondo Method Podcast on Project Entertainment Network. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Project Entertainment Network. 